Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we have a very special show for you. Last week, we loaded up the crew and went to Las Vegas. We donned our press passes at the International Council of Shopping Centers Annual Recon Conference. We had the opportunity to interview some of the leading retail professionals in the country. Our first interview is with Hap Stein, the CEO of Regency Centers, one of the largest owners of retail real estate in the country. Enjoy. Hello, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at Recon 14 in Las Vegas. Have Hap Stein with us with Regency Centers. Hap, good to see you. How is the show going so far? Michael, the show is going very, very good. We've had some great meetings with uh, a number of our retailers and, and also related to a, a number of developments that we're working on. So we're real happy with our progress we're making here at the uh, at Recon in Las Vegas. Great. Well, the retail market surely has in, improved, and you guys have a lot of centers all over the place. What are you seeing for tenant demand and, and uh, performance out there? Tenant demand is extremely robust. Um, most of the under, underlying fundamentals, not only on our portfolio, mm -hmm. but also among our tenants, is, is very strong. If you look at you know, our, our top supermarket chains, Kroger, Publix, Whole Foods, um, Trader Joe's are all performing well. Mm -hmm. In the fast casual area, we have a number of stores with Starbucks, we're one of their largest landlords, as we are with Panera Bread and Chipotle, and all of them are, are doing extremely well. And this trend also uh, not only reflects what's happening with those strong national operators, but also with the local uh, and strong regional operators too that, that occupy our high quality portfolio. <laughs> that's great, and that's good to hear. And what about demand from these tenants as far as new locations and, and expansion. What do you hear about expansions from some of these tenants? Are they looking for new space? They absolutely are looking for new space in the best shopping centers, those type, those shopping centers that, that Regency owns. They're not being able to fulfill their, uh, their expansion demand, so demand is extremely robust, and that's both from national, local, regional operators, um, and across from you know, supermarket chains to drugstores to fast casual restaurants to service users that make up uh, you know, a good deal of, uh, of our shopping centers. And are some of these tenants telling you have, that they're having trouble finding these good locations and are you guys building now? Uh, we are, uh, Michael, we are doing a, a good amount of development in, in markets throughout the country. We're developing, we think that our development capabilities where we can create great shopping centers that meet the same quality standards that are in our portfolio at much better returns than we can buy comparable A quality shopping center for. So we think that's a core capability and we're able to set, you know, uh, work with and provide for the expansion needs of a number of our retail customers. And which markets are you uh, developing in right now? We just finished a fabulous center in, in Seattle. We've got a center in the East Bay in uh, uh, East Bay of California, San Francisco Bay Area. It's going to be anchored by Whole Foods. Um, and Nordstrom Rack that's, that's getting underway right now. Uh, we're working on another uh, uh, Whole Foods anchored shopping center in Orange County, which we're real excited about. We've got a, uh, a, a we added Whole Foods from an expansion standpoint to, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. We're gonna be doing a Whole Foods center in, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we're doing, we're finishing a, a, a Publix Target anchored shopping center in Miami. So in, in really good markets throughout the country, including another Whole Foods center that's uh, about to get underway in, in the Washington, D.C. market. 
That's great to hear happen. Are there any other markets and areas where you're looking for to land or you have some things coming up uh, that you'd like to announce today that we don't know about well, yet? Well, no, I, we've got uh, 24 fabulous target markets mm -hmm. um, from California, which is our number one market, to you know, Austin, Houston, Dallas, in Texas, Denver, Raleigh Durham's great market for us, Atlanta's a great market, Washington DC. We just uh, completed a wonderful acquisition of a of a three shopping centers in Fairfield County in suburban New York with you know great demographics that matches our desire to be in uh, areas with a high average household income. In our portfolio, we average $100,000 in average household income. Mm -hmm. Well, Hap, as a parting word, what would you tell tenants out there uh, that are in the market today? I would uh, tell uh, tenants out there that, uh, that continue to find the best locations and continue to try to uh, work with our wonderful team here at Regency Centers. That's great. Well, Hap, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Have a good show. Appreciate it. Today, we are bringing you interviews from last week's ICSC Recon Conference in Las Vegas, the big retail event of the year. The top landlords are doing a lot more these days to help retailers be more successful. This following interview is with Mac Chandler about Regency's Fresh Look Initiative. Hi, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at ICSE 14 in Vegas with Mac Chandler with Regency Centers. And uh, Mac, you guys have something called the Fresh Look Initiative. Tell us about that. Well, Mike, it's, it's really a three-part initiative. Mm -hmm. And the first part really has to do with the best merchandising. Mm -hmm. That's really taking our time to really handpick the best tenants in each of our centers. And that tenants could be local, they could be regional, they could be national tenants. And we're really spending a lot of time to really curate these tenants and we're finding some terrific operators, some that are new, they're very entrepreneurial. It's making a big difference and we're seeing that. So on these tenants, are sometimes you picking tenants more based on what they do for your center and the other tenants more really than rate sometimes? Yeah, we are, yeah. we are. And certainly more than, than, than traditional credit. A lot of these tenants are new, they're expanding. Uh, it's family money, it's family and friends. So we really look at your operating proudness. How, how great of an operator are you? And if you can generate the sales, it's going to have an uplifting effect on all the other tenants for sure. You and know, we're seeing it. And that's great. When a great operator like you guys, you understand that, that mix of tenants and how that helps everyone in the center and makes it uh, worthwhile. All right, so that's the first part. Yeah. Second part is placemaking. We're spending a lot of time making sure our centers not just look good, but they're interesting, they're innovative, they're unique. We're going out and we're finding local artists, local designers, and we're really making a mix that makes it very inviting for our customers, makes it a place that tenants want to show up and do business, and uh, we're increasing dwell time. And we know when we increase dwell time, sales go up. And we're really seeing some really interesting and positive results from that. And so we take that one center at a time, uh, and we're seeing some really interesting, great, innovative projects. And that's great. And you guys have some great locations, so now you're trying to make it more of an experience there. So what are some other examples of what you guys are doing to, to make it more of an experience? Well, really, a lot of it is, is based on the tenants. We're mm -hmm. finding local boutique restaurants, uh, some that may only have four or five locations, but they're doing $1,000 a foot in sales, mm -hmm. so tremendous. And we're trying to mix that. Some are, you know, none are not just all fast casual, which the industry has sort of had a bent on. It's, it's fine dining, it's breakfast, it's late night, it's really a mix. So we're really trying to increase that revenue clock and get people at our centers all day long. Is there something in the look and the design of the centers that you're renovating that you're seeing are, are working well? Well, we know that there's some major design trends out there. It's really authentic. Uh, it's handcrafted, it's sustainable, so natural materials, recycled materials, we know that look really resonates well. It's less of the, really the contrived look I think is really going out of favor. It's really more authentic and 
uh, you know, a comfortable neighborhood feel to it. Something that really helps people connect the center and make it feel that it is their center in the neighborhoods in which they live. Okay, the Fresh Look Initiative. So what's yep. the next part? So the third part is really, I almost hit on it, it's the connecting part of it. So we're trying to do a better job, and we are doing a better job of making sure the communities really resonate with our properties. So we help our tenants connect to the shopping center and to the residents. So that would be uh, through technology, via social media, through traditional promotions, and really just uh, some new innovation that we're looking at that we're not ready to release, but some really some interesting technology that we're seeing that's gonna help our tenants really connect better with the communities in which they serve. Okay, and that's important. I mean, if those tenants are doing well, it helps the community and obviously helps all the other tenants. And I guess especially with some of the, the local tenants, right, that maybe don't have an online presence and don't have a marketing presence. So you guys are doing things that are connecting them and, and bringing more business to the door. Yeah, absolutely, we are. And, and I think tenants are starting to recognize that if Wagoner to Regency Center really comes with some tools that really help separate us from other traditional landlords. We'll actually help them facilitate all that. And really, it's a big difference. Yeah. So that's great, and that keeps the demand up. And I think a lot of the tenants uh, realize out there it's not just about rate and location. It is about management. It is about tenant mix. It is about experience at these centers. That's exactly right, and experience is the key word to that. And we know to be competitive, we need a really compelling offering, and that's really the look of the center. That's an interesting tenant mix, and that's helping tenants really, you know, bring out their best and help them concentrate on their customers and not have to worry about fussy things like cam and maintenance. Uh, we'll take care of that and let the tenants take care of their customers. Okay, so you have something new coming out. You can't tell us about it right now, but we'll have you on another show soon, right? I'd love that, that'd be great. All right, Mac, thanks for joining us have today. Have a good show. Michael Bullen, ICSC 14. My next interview provides some valuable information on the hot single tenant net lease investment market. I can tell you firsthand from helping buyers and sellers in the Southeast US, there are some very important aspects to consider in the single tenant market. After the break, you'll get the inside scoop. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Now, some single-tenant net lease investment market intel from ICSC Recon 14. Hello, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at Recon 14 in Las Vegas. I'm here with Chris Marabella. We got to sing it, right? Mar excited. Marabella Finance. That's right. And they focus on single-tenant net lease properties, right? Right, right. And uh, so what do you see for volume in the net lease market right now? It seems to be a very hot property type. And, and how many of these purchasers are really financing? You know, Michael, a lot of the people that are buying the net lease are getting very low returns in the bank. So there's a lot of uh, dismediation. People are going into net lease instead of putting their money in the bank. When you can get, you know, four to 600 basis points more than you can get in the bank, that's why they're buying the Walgreens, the CVS, the Jack in the Boxes, the 7-Elevens. And a majority of the people that, that are buying these have a lot of tax motivation. They're involved in 1031 exchanges, so they get the additional uh, benefit of deferring the capital gains tax. 
And so it's, it's been a really hot market. A lot of the baby boomers that are retiring and they want security, they want to be able to travel. Uh, the net lease vehicle has really been the vehicle that's given them that opportunity. Yeah, that's a great property type for you know lack of or low maintenance or no maintenance, no management opportunities, and uh, I think exactly. a lot of people are interested in the in the sector. And there's a level of safety. Well, let's talk about positive leverage. I mean, with some of the lower cap rates, some of these uh, real blue chip single tenant properties are creating. Can you get positive leverage and get a lower interest rate than the cap rate on the property today? You know, right now, like Walgreens or CVS. Uh, you know, they're anywhere between four and a half to eight, six percent on newer leases. Uh, a lot of people have been going with the shorter leases, but those are harder to finance. Um, you know, a loan constant for like a uh, 30 to in 10 is probably in the six and a half to seven percent range. So you have negative leverage there, meaning that the more money an investor puts down, the better their return. The more leverage, the lower their return. Okay. So a lot of people, uh, they're coming in with 30, 40, 50% down, and that really hasn't slowed the market down. There's not much supply, although that is, that is changing. When we had the credit crunch, uh, there wasn't much construction preferred equity, but now that's a lot more plentiful, so you're seeing a lot more deals. So my hope is that there's gonna be a lot more supply of Walgreens, CVS, Jack in the Box, Dollar General, Family Dollar, 7-Eleven and others, as long as they keep expanding. We really need to get that stronger economy. Hopefully Yellen's doing that by lowering the rates and continuing the, you know, the bond buying. But that's really crucial for the retail market. As you probably know, consumption 60% of GMP. Yeah. So it's important uh, for retail that people are out there consuming. Yeah. And so. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And a lot of single tenant net lease buyers, they're really interested in the tenant more so than geography. So is your business taking you all over the country? Pretty much. Right now, we're, you know, we're doing uh, Walgreens in Alabama. We're doing a seven-year I.O. loan. It's, uh, it'll start to amortize over 25 years. We haven't locked the rate yet, but it's been approved. Our rate is coming in right around uh, four and a half, four and three quarters, and that's a CMBS loan. But the nice thing with triple net, as you mentioned, the tenant takes care of the insurance, the taxes, and maintenance. And a buyer should always review the lease, make sure that you know there is no landlord obligations, because a lot of these leases are a little bit different. Uh, there's no set lease, but. Uh, someone in California can buy a property in Oklahoma. And so you have a lot of uh, capital heading uh, east because they can get slightly higher cap rates. Right. And if it's triple net and you've got a good investment grade credit, the default rate is much lower uh, so they can invest in a different area than where they live. Mm -hmm. And with a 1031 buyer, they only have f about 45 days to identify three properties and close in 180 days. So the probability of finding something nationwide uh, really uh, increases the probability for them that they're gonna get a good net lease deal versus if they had to invest right in their backyard, uh, the odds of getting three good deals goes down significantly. Yeah. Um, really, the buyers out there that are doing this, they're killing two birds with one stone. Um, they're using this for their retirement retirement planning and their passive properties so they don't have to go out and do plumbing and all this other 
things that you do with apartments and they're deferring taxes. Yeah, those are good points and that's why that sector, the single tenant net lease sector is so popular. And, and like you said, when you're looking at the leases, the devil is in the details. Oh, what yes. are some things in a, in a lease that you look for as a lender that might cause a little concern? You know, we're always looking at the liability and property insurance. Uh, we, we like to see if it's a bond lease, there's no abatement rights. So if the tenant, if the store goes dark normally, the rent continues. So in that case, we really don't need loss of rents. But if it's not a bond lease, you better make sure on your accord form that you have loss of rents insurance for about six to 12 months, because then you'll have to go buy a companion policy that's going to cost maybe three to $500 a month that the lender is going to require. That the lender is going to require. That's one uh, big hole that people don't take into consideration. Um, again, the REA agreement's another one. If you're buying a net lease deal that's in a center, you want to look at those REA agreements and make sure there's not a storm drain or um, an access agreement where you're going to have to get liability insurance even though the agent has told you it's net uh, a net lease deal. Yeah. There's still landlord obligations you may be on the hook for. Yeah. So that's a good point. And like you said, some of these cap rates have have gotten a little low, a little compressed, and a lot of people are looking at some of the higher cap rate, higher return properties that have shorter lease terms. And do you have any financing available for these shorter lease term single tenant net lease deals? There is financing. Uh, our, our attorney, Yvette Flores, with Flores Mavic, who used to work here at Walgreens and McDonald's, uh, what we've, we do a, like a two-pronged strategy. We put those landlords in touch with Yvette to see if we can do a lease extension. Uh, maybe the, exercise, the tenant exercise the option early for maybe you know five or 10 years or whatever that may be in the lease. That's one way, so they get a longer lease. If it's a shorter lease, then our lenders are gonna kick the tire more on the real estate. They're gonna look at the rent to sales. They're gonna look at the comps and the sponsorship. Uh, if we're doing a five or $10 million loan, we wanna see a net worth of that sponsor right around you know one to two times the loan amount and about 10% of the loan amount liquidity. And, and the sponsor should have a you know, pretty strong adjusted gross income. Because what's gonna happen if that tenant leaves? One, it's not triple net anymore. Right. So that landlord's going to have to start to carry the taxes, the insurance. They may have to do tenant improvements, which will run them, you know, anywhere between three hundred thousand to a million. Leasing commissions. Yeah. And if they have a balloon, it's kind of the perfect storm. So that's why when we have the shorter lease, we got to know that there's a pretty good likelihood that this tenant's going to renew if the sponsorship isn't real strong. If the sponsor has a real high net worth with a lot of cash, that concern kind of goes away. Okay, so it's the old risk reward. If you're gonna get the higher return, it may come a little more risk. And well, Chris, thanks for joining us today. I hope you have Thank a great you. Recon Thank 14. You, Michael. Thanks again. All right, thanks. Thank Michael you. Bull for the Commercial Real Estate Show, Recon 14. Well, after a quick break, some interesting facts about the retail market from Kimco CEO, Dave Henry. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by RealCrowd. RealCrowd lets you invest directly into shares of cash-flowing real estate with low investment minimums and the ease of investing online. Visit realcrowd.com slash radio. That's realcrowd.com slash radio. 
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related subjects, check out our on-demand show podcast, videos, and blogs. There's a great recent show on advanced 1031 exchange strategies and a very interesting show on crowdfunding for commercial real estate. Grab your phone, tablet, or computer. Visit iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, we have some more interviews from ICSC Recon 14. Our next interview is with Dave Henry, CEO of Kimco. Enjoy. Hi, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at Recon 2014 in Vegas. I have Dave Henry, CEO of Kimco, with me today. And Dave, you've you've been around this industry for a long time. You guys have a very successful public company with properties all over the country. So, how do you see the market these days? Uh, tenant traffic and demand. Well, I think you can tell by looking around this convention here with, uh, with 35,000 of your closest uh, friends milling around the hallways that the shopping center industry is, is back, it's, it's healthy. Um, it's been recovering now step by step uh, over the past four, four years. Uh, 2009 was a, was, was a tough time for almost anybody in commercial real estate, uh, including the shopping center industry. But uh, over the last four years, uh, occupancy has come up, uh, leasing spreads have come up, uh, effective rents have come up. And the, the, the saving grace for our business is there's been virtually no new construction. So when you couple a 40-year historic low of new construction with a five-year high of planned new store openings, you get higher rents, higher occupancies, and, and that's worked well for us right now. And how many centers have you seen uh, built, and what's the norm? Um, this is a country that used to build, at the peak, 2,000 shopping centers a year, and we're down to less than 100. It's starting to pick up a little bit, but still, we're, we're years away from uh, full-fledged uh, new ground-up development. And how's that affecting the investment market around the U.S. for these retail centers? Well, most commercial real estate is now back in favor. So, so five years ago, life insurance companies, pension funds, and, uh, and foreign investors all, all fled real estate pretty good. But over the last couple of years, they've all come back into the market, which is driving prices up for shopping centers and for virtually any kind of commercial real estate. Because commercial real estate, it, it's a hard asset. In, in a way, it's an inflation hedge, depending on the, on the type, of, uh, type of asset. The yields are good um, compared to alternatives when, when bonds are so low and, and corporates and so forth, uh, uh, the yields are low in other asset classes. So commercial real estate, in general, income-producing properties is, is, is a good investment long-term. And these cap rates, we're seeing uh, some people think they're, they're a little low, but what about the, the prices these folks are paying? Well, I think you have to look at these, albeit uh, historic low cap rates, in the contest that the NOI has gone down a bit. Uh, uh, rents fell a good 30, 40 percent. Uh, market rents fell, so that impacted net operating income. So even though you're using very low cap rates on that net operating income, it's a lower net operating income than it was in the past. And so that translates to a price that's not at historic high levels and still below replacement costs. So it's still it's still attractive, albeit expensive. Right, and I guess some people are thinking that they're going to get ahead then of uh, up increasing rents and increasing vacancy when they buy at these lower cap rates, right? Right, and some of it's uh, some of it's defensive, as as I mentioned. If you're worried about where interest rates and inflation is going to go, owning a good income property where you can adjust the rents over time is not a bad way to play the game. Right. I'm a real estate broker, so I believe in that okay. one. I think. Good, good. <laughs> and what about your initiatives here at uh, Kimco uh, the, this year? Well, like, uh, like most of the large 
public companies that are in the commercial uh, shopping center business. We're all about taking advantage of today's good sales market to sell some of the, the lower quality assets that we have. Buying, buying higher higher quality assets in some of the, the gateway cities, the primary markets. So it's all about recycling capital today. So you, you sell your bottom, you, you buy better quality, you get a better multiple on your stock, hopefully better growth and income over time. Okay, and another subject that people are interested in today is e-commerce and how that's affecting uh, the real estate market and the retail market out there. What do you see? Well, you have to keep uh, e-commerce in, in perspective. The, the headlines are it's going to put everybody out of business that's in a brick-and-mortar business, but uh, I'll give you a couple of uh, fun facts. 94% of all retail sales still occur in, in, in a brick-and-mortar business. Uh, Two-thirds of consumer spending are on services, so whether it's uh, dry cleaners or, or barber shops or, or, or restaurants or health clubs, those things are very difficult to do on, on the internet and uh, that'll provide uh, demand over, over time for, for brick and mortar space that's well located. So I think e-commerce is definitely having an impact, but it's been more than offset by the fact that there's been no new construction and continued population growth in the U.S. of two and a half million people a year. So I can't work out online? <laughs> Not quite yet. <laughs> Maybe in your dreams. <laughs> That's right. I'd be in good shape. Yeah, there you Dave, go. Dave, thanks for joining us You're today. You're welcome. Nice to see you. After a quick break, an interesting interview with Tim Perry with North American Properties. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you have any comments or questions, reach out to us on social media, email, phone, or come by and see us in person. You can access our contact information at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we are bringing you interviews from last week's ICSC Retail Convention in Las Vegas. This is the largest retail and retail real estate event in the country. It has a million square feet of space and people doing transactions and, and networking all over the place. Our next interview is with Tim Perry with North American Properties. Tim shares some interesting intel from the floor of the conference on their successful mixed-use projects. Enjoy. Hello, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at ICSC Recon 14 in Vegas. I have Tim Perry here with North American Properties Director of Investments. And Tim, I guess you guys have uh, been busy. We're talking. You've got lots of tenants coming by. But I'd like to start off asking you about the investment market. You know, what's your view of the retail investment market today? Uh, we think the retail investment market's very frothy. We're, we're about 75% of what we do is in the residential side, 25% in the retail. But the retail capital markets are driving, you know, driving record prices. And you know, with our with our existing portfolio, we're looking at events to, for uh, either taking out existing construction financing or liquidating them in the market. Yeah. All right. So the buyers are making offers that sometimes you just can't refuse, right? It's it's hard to be a holder sometimes. Yeah. Uh, having having said that, you know, as a privately funded company, we do we do build, develop, to hold. 
Right. And what are you seeing for performance and, and tenant demand for your retail properties today? Performance is absolutely uh, is absolutely increasing. Sales were going up at all of our properties, and the tenant demand for new locations across the country is expanding as well. And we're looking to take our Avalon product and uh, relocate that in, in other markets where demographic shifts have not been met, where have average household incomes and population have grown without the, uh, without the product to meet it. And tell us a little bit about uh, Avalon. That's a unique product being um, someone we consider suburban, but a mixed use. Tell us briefly about Avalon. Well, Avalon is, is it's urban, it's walkable, and it's as authentic as we can make it. It may be in the suburbs, but where the future of retail is headed toward an experience versus uh, the, the experience on the property versus the experience of shopping, um, integrating the uses, the multifamily and the retail and the office into one location, focusing first on how someone is experiencing the property, and second on where they shop, uh, is where we're going to... We think that's the future of retail is what's going to drive sales. And you've got a big residential component there. You have retail component there. Uh, in this phase, uh, how are those different components uh, working? And, and for those of you who are not familiar with it, it, it's a suburban location outside or north of Atlanta. But boy, it seems like an in-town project, doesn't it? it? It is. I mean, everyone talks about doing urban, walkable developments. We've t we took that model and put it into the suburbs. Uh, we have over 1,000 people on the waiting list for 250 apartment units. We think we'll be 25% above market when we come out with the pricing. The single family for sale product that uh, we're, de we're developing has over 2,000 people on the waiting list for 101 homes. Yeah. And then in the office sector as well, we're having, we see rents about 25% over what you can get literally across the street just by being inside this environment. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're going to expand, uh, do more of that Avalon type project, and where should we keep our eyes open to bring you uh, great locations? Uh, well, we're looking throughout the southeast, throughout the Sun Belt, from Texas to uh, D.C. down to Florida. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what other areas is North American uh, growing moving forward? Uh, we're continuing to expand our residential uh, platform. We now develop residential out of Atlanta. We're also looking at, at expanding our retail development and into student housing, where we're currently doing a 710-bed student housing project in Tallahassee. Um, you know, following government, healthcare, education, being remaining, you know, primary drivers. Okay. And so, where are the opportunities there? Are they as diverse as that, or where might some opportunities be? Some tips for us today. <laughs> um, I, I, well. In major markets throughout the southeast, whether that's Charlotte, Nashville continues to grow. We're active in that market, but also in Midwest cities with uh, revitalizing you know, their downtown markets, and you see a lot of residential growth and ultimately urban res uh, retail demand. Yeah. Are there some properties out there that you're looking to acquire or to sell right now that you guys are involved in? Uh, we have a few properties in our portfolio that we're going to sell just because we think that the NOI growth has, has flattened out and again the capital markets are enhancing the values of those. Uh, acquisitions, North Americans remains a primarily development company so we're looking at sites throughout, you know, throughout the southeast. Okay, and what's your experience been at Recon this year compared to previous years? Uh, it has been extremely active. Uh, in the, the past couple of years, we've been about execution. Avalon is 97% leased, so while we're focused on leasing phase two and focused on you know, leasing at Atlantic Station as well, 
This year has been a lot about restocking the pipeline and looking at opportunities and deals. I've had a lot of meetings, and it's, uh, it's very encouraging that there's a new development, realistic you know, new development on the horizon. And these uh, mixed-use projects, are you doing joint ventures where some of the uh, other product types are being developed by other uh, developers, or you guys own the entire project on these new developments? Uh, we control the entire project. Uh, again, it's, it's about brand alignment. You know, Avalon was about taking the brand of their, our retailers, the brand that the market associated with itself from a consumer standpoint, and aligning a pro, uh, the property with it. So whether the valet is dropping, is, uh, if you're dropping your car at valet on one end of the property or the other, the Avalon logo or the Atlantic Station logo is consistent throughout. Uh, having said that, we're retail and residential, so we are joint venturing the office development with Heinz. Uh, we are, and we have a single-family residential development partner as well. In addition, Avalon's got a 325-room full-service hotel that we're also doing a joint venture with the hotel development group. Okay, that's great. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us today. All right, thank you. We sure enjoyed seeing old friends and meeting new friends at the ICSC Recon 14 conference in Vegas. We have another great interview for you. This time we'll talk to the 2014 CCIM president, Carl Landrino. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404 404- 832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, I have a question for you as a listener. Do you have a question related to commercial real estate? Well, you're invited to send them to me. Each business day, I answer a commercial real estate-related question on video. Now, these are very quick videos, and you can access them at the Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, or on the YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show, or at the tab, Answers, at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. And give us your comments. You can uh, go through and read these. They're like an FAQ for commercial real estate, and you can comment on them as well. Well, now we have another interview for you from last week's ICSC Recon Convention in Vegas. This is the 2014 CCIM President, Carl Landrino. Enjoy. Hello, Michael Bull here with the Commercial Real Estate Show at ICSC Recon 14 in Vegas. And I have Carl Landrino, CCIM and an SIOR with Ladder and Bloom, headquartered out of New Orleans. It's also an NAI affiliate. And Carl is also the president of CCIM for 2014. Carl, good to see you. Thank you. Nice being here. And uh, they've got a great booth here. You guys had a lot of activity back here in the booth today. What is the, what is the feel of, of commercial real estate and retail? What do you sense in here from uh, ICSC? Uh, just by judging for the numbers of the reservation of tables for meetings, this is probably our best year in the last five years of, of our table reservations being uh, that high and in that demand. Yeah, well, we appreciate uh, you having uh, this available for a fellow CCIMs. I'm a CCIM, and you know we recommend it through all of our brokers. In fact, it's a requirement if you're going to work at my firm to at least take in 101 before you start. The education's incredible. And the education, tell us a little bit about what's new with the education and some of the courses through CCI and Carl? Well, uh, over the last three years, we have completely rewritten our core courses. We've added a new uh, negotiation course. 
And, and by doing that and, and doing the rewrites, it, it led us into a core course in education delivery. So at present, we have uh, four delivery models, uh, three online and in the classroom, of course. So that with that, it's, it's affording the education uh, to the agent or to the person taking it uh, an opportunity to take the course in the medium that you prefer. Uh, just in Nashville uh, last month, we also budgeted and passed a, a new delivery method that we call blended learning. And the blended learning product is in development, and we will probably, uh, by the end of this year, have it for our 101 course. Okay, so that's part in class and part online, I guess? That, that's correct. It's, it, it's uh, kind of like uh, the Boy Scouts earning merit badges. You, you're given assignments, the different assignments you have to pass and go forward, and at the end of the, the course, uh, you end up with uh, a two-day or three-day classroom experience. So we're blending everything. We're using technology. We're using video interaction in the whole works. That's great because a large part of the benefit, I think, from CCIM is the networking. So if you're in the class, you get to start benefiting from that right away, don't you? Absolutely. And we're very uh, in tune to the networking. And this, this gives us uh, a chance to reach the, the new kids on the block, so to speak, the way they do business, the way they want to do business, and we incorporate some of the old in networking. So it's a win-win, and we're very excited about being able to develop this process. I'd like to thank Jesse Tron, Sarah Malcolm, and all the good folks at ICSC for a great conference. We sure appreciated the opportunity to be a media partner for the event. Well, that wraps up our interviews for today from ICSC Recon 14. You know, the retail sector was hit hard in the recession, but the sector is really heating up. Stable retail investment properties are selling extremely well, and property level performance is seeing significant improvements. So be sure and join us next week for more ICSC Recon 14 interviews. And thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by RealCrowd, crowdfunding for institutional quality real estate. Visit realcrowd.com slash radio. Florida International University. Earn your commercial real estate master's degree in as little as 10 months. Visit fiuonline.com. And Bull Realty Commercial Brokers, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com and France Media Publications and Conferences. For exposure to the world of commercial real estate, visit francemediainc.com.